Greetings, 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 good afternoon, and welcome to a, another KG 5th World Wildcat and Doc podcast. Two of us are here in Dallas. We're joined by two colleagues, guests, friends, associates, basketball fans, aficionados, experts. I guess we'll let them introduce themselves. Ladies first, who are you, ma'am, and how are you doing? My name is Cheryl Linton, and I'm doing fine. And you are, sir? Greg Spada. I'm also doing good. And I think... Both of y'all are on, on the worldwide media social web platform. Am I correct in that? Yes, you are correct. But Cheryl, where, where, how, how can folks find you? And who are you? What do you do that makes you a basketball person, an expert? Oh, I've just been a basketball fan all my life. I've played basketball. I've coached basketball. And I also officiate basketball. I don't know if I should put that part on there, though. Are you, everybody knows about are, you, are, are you ashamed of being an official? I'm not. Yeah. Well, you know, sometimes, you know... Uh, <clears throat> Especially after, you know, some things that happen on the court sometimes. But, it's, it, you know, it's all a learning process. Do you want people to know how they can contact you on Instagram or Twitter or anything like that? All right. That's what it, you know, at $33. That's me. Is it Peter? Well, I've been watching sports since I was little. Um, and I've also been... Uh, Helping you out, Chris, uh, since 2006 with uh, being credentialed to NCAA for the Final Four, Women's Final Four. And my um, Twitter is at the H-R-R-T-O-O. All right, let's do this. We're in Dallas. Talk about the two games we saw last night, the miracle. Let's, no offense to the, pre, the first game of the evening that we saw. It was exciting. It was close, competitive, and all those wonderful things. Blah, 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 blah. You know, Stanford, South Carolina. South Carolina won the ball game to advance to the championship game Sunday afternoon. They beat Stanford 62-53. to 53. It was competitive. But we're going to talk about the, the, the game that people are talking about, still talking about. Today. With the had people, athletes from other sports talking about football and NBA players and media Writers who really don't cover women's basketball, tweeting about it and, and things of that. So we're talking, going to talk about Mississippi State shocking the world, ending the 111-game winning streak of the mighty, mighty UConn Huskies with a 66-64 overtime victory thanks to the pull-up jumper by Cheryl's favorite player currently, point guard Morgan William, hit the game-winning bucket with no time remaining on the shot clock and OT to send Starkville, Mississippi into jubilation. Thoughts on that? Who's shocked? Who who predicted? Who thought Mississippi State would, would win this game? I actually did. She, I actually, she's lying. <laughs> I'm not. Because in watching Mississippi State over the last, you know, doing the conference tournament at, and so forth, I just like their, their defense, their defensive intensity. And I like uh, Morgan uh, Williams because of her. She's calm all the time no matter what the situation is no matter what she's dealing with she has a cool demeanor about her and being a floor general that's something that you need and I just I just I love the way uh, Vic is, is coaching them and always coaches them up and encourages them and let you know now I just truly believe that they just believed in themselves and they believe that they could win does she remind you of anyone over the last what 10 years as, as a point guard, kind of like, not so much directing traffic, but willing her team to win at that position, at that size. Coach Kemper Rock? 
Oh, you, you went back. You went to WNBA, but Coach Saber said no, I'm today. About on the college, Coach Saber said today. Uh, Alphonse Franklin at A&M, who, who he coached, and, right, coach. and that's my point. He, he that's did my point her, right there. He did mention her today in uh, his, his press conference with the media. So that that was good because he Coach Schaefer was part of the Aggies team that won the championship in 2011. So he has a chance as a head coach now to uh, get it done Sunday afternoon. I, were you thinking Shannon Bobbitt from Tennessee? I, my point, the first thing came out of my mind, I was like, oh, crap. This, because that team came together as her with the point guard position because she was a JUCO transfer weren't uh, 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 that, that came in, picked up by um, the, the convinced uh, young lady at uh, LSU now, what's her name? Uh, head coach Nikki Nikki Fargus. Fargus, yes. Nikki Fargus. Uh, was out on the scouting trail and happened to look up and saw her on the JUCO level and at, at a uh, JUCO jamboree and said, "Got to have that, but I got to convince coach to bring her in." Coach Schaefer also mentioned uh, Cheryl. I think Tamika Johnson played, played at LSU. Is mm-hmm. that the right point guard? Last last name, no first name was Tamika, but but he mentioned her as well as, as a yeah. point guard, squad point guard, a leader who could. Who could get things done and will her team to, to a lot of victories. So it's good to see uh, Morgan Williams is listed as five foot five. I doubt she's five and five. I doubt that too. Having watched her over three games now, it's just interesting. I just didn't see it last night, only because of guards. She basically was the smallest person. I literally the smallest person on on the floor, directing traffic. And in the game against Baylor. I just figured she would have problems dealing with length, especially the defensive length at that at that position. Uh, not just in game situations, but being able to like direct traffic late yeah. in the game and yeah. get her players and all in that in position, because it all just predicated around her being able to get the ball up court. Mm-hmm. Now, what I had a problem with last night was defense not putting pressure on her length of the court. Which is what Baylor did, and also West Virginia. Yeah, they really didn't try to do anything until late, you know. But they really didn't. Yeah, but you also look at the pressure that Baylor tried to put on her, and look what she did to him. Yeah. I mean, because I I think the biggest, the biggest key though is that because of her size, there aren't a lot of players like her. Yeah. So trying to guard somebody like that, especially when you're when you're talking about a, you know, the regional final. Or you know, national semifinal. Yeah. You ain't played against anybody like this, this size, that's got that quickness and get gets around you. How do you guard it? I mean, because when she get when she gets by him, or she you know she pulls up for that jumper, because they're thinking, oh, I can block this. You know, when she pulls back and hits it, you know that you start to some players they get that mindset. What what just happened? You know why why is this 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 little player? You know, the, who shouldn't be on stage on on stage with me? How you know how is she doing this? You know, because they're not used to it. They haven't seen a player like her probably since high school. Yeah, <clears throat> you know, and her speed, you know, causes problems as well. She just, she just, she just has a big heart. I mean, she's just not afraid of the moment, not as afraid of any situation. And I've, I've been very impressed with her. Right. Speaking of being not being afraid of the moment, I know we're moving on with this, but we are kind of like a, a quick pace today. Gino mentioned that last night, and he's mentioned it all season. Um, the only question he had uh, in his mind with this particular team was who would step up, 
when they got to the moment, that moment in the game. Uh, he's been accustomed to not having to worry about that situation because he's had players that would either, whether on the bench or whatever, they would just figure it out and move forward and get past it and, and, and knock the ball down. Well, this particular team had not been in that position all year where they were pressed and had to overcome because in the Tulane game, it was more so what Tulane did to not win the game rather than what UConn did by ball falling in our hands and being able to overcome. Because when you look back at that game, Tulane had the ball, was in the process of kind of like moving things around, uh, you know, getting in position, ball goes out of bounds, they miss Q, and then boom. UConn is there by the basketball guards and ball is in their hands, they finish the game, clock runs out, boom. When it's when the streak is intact. Yeah. Well, another thing too is I mean it's something we've talked about teams playing UConn for several years now. <clears throat> there are times when UConn goes scoreless for three, four, five, six, even seven or eight minutes, but the other team doesn't take advantage of it. You know, they, they, they might score, you know, two or three points, but that's it. They're they're down by ten, down by fifteen. Well, those couple points ain't going to help you in a long stretch like that because before you know it, UConn's going to go another, you know, 8, 10, 12.0 run, yeah. you know, because that, that's just how they play. So, last night, um, you know, Mississippi State had to do what every other school has to do. They just finally did it, which was take advantage. When UConn wasn't scoring, you know, they, they UConn had several stretches of three, four minutes where they didn't score no field goals, not even not even free throws. They they were scoring right. nothing, and then they were able to jump on the Murley, and then of course you know UConn came back with those runs, those 10-0 runs, you know stuff like that to to bring it back and be all tied at the end of the third period. But <clears throat> you know Mississippi State they they didn't they continued to fight. And said, you know, other schools, you would see it. They'd be like, oh, well, yeah. UConn came, you know, we had a lead. UConn run. came back. Yeah. yeah, that's it. We're done. That first you know, <clears throat> UConn's going to, UConn's yeah. going to, going to blow us out like they, like they do everybody else. But Mississippi State, you could see it on the players, on, on the, on the way they're acting, their faces and stuff. They're, you know, they're like, you know what? We're, we're in this game. We can do it. You know, we just got to stick to our game plan, score, stop them from scoring, you know, but then, you know, we score. And um, and I think what what helped too was the fact that you know Coach Schaefer's been there. Yeah. You know he was there with A and M. You know nobody expected them to win semifinal game, let alone championship. <clears throat> so he knew a key part of it's going to be defense. You know which it was, and then you know last night, and we'll probably see again on Sunday. You know key you know, that defense is going to be strong. They're going to have to be strong uh, against uh, South Carolina. You know, but I mean, Mississippi State did what other schools that even have a lot more talent than they do, they did what those teams didn't, which was take advantage when UConn wasn't scoring. When they weren't scoring any points, they scored points. Well, you're surprised at how late in the game that UConn wasn't able to get free throws, knock those down, uh, from not just from one person, but so, from yeah. several people. Mm-hmm. That surprised me. Oh, yeah. But especially when it got late in the game, I'm like, okay, they're not, they're not knocking down free throws. Yeah. This, but let me, this, turn it, let me turn it around differently to you. 
why would it surprise you? Because we never we had not seen them in a close game down the stretch. So we would not know how they respond. That's well, that's true. But but they usually make free throws yeah. no matter whether it's it, it's close or not. Some, somebody will always think that had, had, had to pressure bust pipes. <laughs> hey, pressure bust pipes. Pressure makes diamonds. <laughs> one of the one of the two sometimes happens. And maybe those young ladies felt the pressure last night and didn't get done down stretch because they missed layups as well. Yeah. Yeah. And they missed free throws. I mean, they were down 29-13 early second quarter, and we were like, this might happen. Yeah. This is really unbelievable that UConn is losing by 16 points. They and cut it to eight thing. at halftime. I believe that it can happen. And then UConn made a run third yeah. quarter, went ahead, and all of us thought, well, here we go. UConn going to UConn. And Mississippi State said, yeah, Not this year. They didn't back down and, and yeah. went toe-to-toe. And let's keep in mind, and they said, the, the team and the players said this in press conference Thursday. They had not forgotten to use their butt whooping that they received last year at, at UConn in around the 16. They lost 98-38 as motivation for this season. To a player, they said, we had not forgotten that. The strength coaches, the head coaches, Assistant coaches, everybody said, put it on the wall, 60, 60, 60. Do not forget what they did to us last year. Donnie Dillingham said post-game to me, I interviewed after the game, saying that was motivation for us from practice from day one. We want another chance at it, had the chance, had the opportunity. We took advantage of it, and we delivered. So kudos to them for getting it done. Because as folks who listen to these podcasts know, I said that Baylor was going to beat Mississippi State and have a chance to beat UConn. I was wrong there, but the the winner of that game had a chance to beat UConn, so and Mississippi State got it done rather than Baylor. So it's good for women's basketball. That you had two competitive games. uh, uh, That's that's good as well. It's good that UConn lost. Yeah. You know, my media colleagues and friends can say, you know, UConn is bad for the game, and they take it a different different approach than I do. I don't take it. It's not UConn's fault that they're great. It's not UConn's fault that they're better than everybody else. It's everybody else's fault for not challenging UConn and beating UConn. Yeah. Mississippi State took advantage of that and got it done. And that's the important thing to show Joe and Jill fan, wow, maybe there is some parity at the upper level that we right. see down at the lower levels now. Okay. It also goes back, especially if folks have listened from the beginning of the season up until this point, <clears throat> we've also mentioned that if there was a time to catch UConn at a point, this would be the season. Because if not, there's a, a, an agreement. And as you stated, their best player is not playing this year on that squad. Transfer from Duke. When that crew, when, when the next year's crew comes in, it's going to be hella paid because UConn just going to start another another run. I don't see anybody on the, on the that collectively will. It'll be some challenges, but I don't see collectively folks them losing not losing one or two games this next two seasons. Well, this is going to be key <clears throat> next season. Gary, uh, I, want, I want to jump in there and comment on, on the matchup, and I think y'all really have done a great job breaking it down. First of all, I think what stood out for me is what we lose. Not so much of what. UConn couldn't do on the offensive side, but what Mississippi State was able to do on the defensive side. They made they made UConn very uncomfortable all night, not allowing them to get to the spots. Uh, you mentioned this, not allowing, allowing them to get even baskets. 
And as fatigue set in late in the game, you can see in terms of the pressure, they're missing free throw shots late in the game. But I also think it's key, oftentimes we talk about the 111 games, but as Jerry alluded to, that this is really a different team. This team was able to put 30-plus games together in terms of winning, uh, but that is entirely two different teams. Even if you look at the 66 margin, one of the reasons you had 66 points different last year is because the collective of players that played last year, you know, you're talking about four players that won four straight games. Well, those players are gone. They were in the stands cheering and rooting for them to continue this dominance, but you're talking about two different teams in terms of the set of players, players that hadn't really had this experience before, players that are still trying to maturate and grow and understand what it means to be in a battle. Gino uh, said this in a lot of ways, and it probably said maybe this team just wasn't ready. But I think we have to be careful to tell the story in regards to 111, but really be more uh, decisive in terms of breaking it down in terms of this was a team that had reeled off 30 plus games and added to the previous so many that they won uh, and when you look at this particular matchup you can see the difference what was coming into play in regards to these ladies not quite being uh, in position which I think as Jerry alludes to it's going to be interesting going forward because you know uh, the UConn way they're going to get in there and work that much harder to look at some redemption because they happen to be the team that's dropped the street of not getting the win to keep this thing going. So you know they're not going to look very kindly to that. And those ladies coming in, they're going to want to start their own streak and they're going to want to chase their own championship. And this team that did get a championship, again, they're going to be pushing forward to see if they get a championship. So I was really intrigued about this. In terms of what Chris said, I agree with you, Chris. This was really good for basketball. we got to find a way that you have for the women's side of the game to have more games like this. There's not much you can do during the season. Uh, even on the men's side, you know, men's basketball, in terms of maybe a couple of matchups, draw the scales, but in large part, there's not a huge uh, television presence on that. But in terms of the tournament, boy, these games can go a long way in terms of empowering uh, the women's game in terms of them getting the recognition they do uh, when you have games like this. For example, my wife is not a huge uh, just sports fan, but she's more of a college sports fan, follows up. Uh, she was so in the game, she was stopping what she was doing, asking what was going on, uh, what was the score, coming back, is it, is it over, did they do it yet? And, uh, she got so pressure packed, she didn't necessarily just want to watch it play by play because it was so uh, just high stakes, but she wanted to know what was going on. So I think this is an example of how many people tuned in. Uh, Chris, your tweet was brilliant yesterday when you stated that I, I said I would never thought the time where I could say that the women's basketball game uh, outshined uh, the uh, NBA game in terms of primetime matchup between the Houston Rockets and the Golden State Warriors. Uh, not many times would that happen, so I, I thought that was good for the women's game, but uh, I don't see it happen much many more times, but it would be nice to see that moving forward to get more interest in the game. And real quick, as Doc, Dr. Cavill, he, we finally got the Skype to work to get him to chime in. So I'm glad you were able to hear us. We can hear you doing to do this podcast. And Doc, it's I'm glad you mentioned your wife Third because game. because I because I think your wife represents that segment of of uh, fandom that women's basketball needs to tap. 
and get me interested in the game. And it's, right. it's it's you can't do that when UConn is winning by 60 points and the game's over at at halftime. So you know you need to have the game be competitive in, at end of the first quarter, halftime to get fans willing to tune in to the second half to see what's going on and to see UConn being challenged. And once again, that's not UConn's fault. It's everybody else's fault to step up their game and be competitive quarter in, quarter out, and make the games worth watching in the second half and down the stretch. Well, hopefully this can be a launching pad where they can see that, you know, they can be beat. And, you know, hopefully they'll start taking the necessary strides to make sure that they get to that point and be able to get to the uh, the postseason and to have a effective win the way Mississippi State has done. Wildcat. Yep. <clears throat> and, Doc, it's, t- it's for you too, Doc. Oh, and real quick, Doc, remind folks how they can find you on the Internet, sir. Yes, you can find me on the social media platforms, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Dr. Kenyatta Cavill. D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. And I hate that I'm not there with you, but as I told you all, uh, I decided to take uh, a chance in the election, become Texas Southern University's uh, chair of the Fowley Senate, and have you, as it would be, I was victorious and actually had an unexpected meeting with the president of the university that I had to get to, which didn't allow me to catch my flight. Well, congratulations. Doc, you well deserve it. World traveler, (laughs) international, you know, you are the man. (laughs) Kudos to you, sir. Props to you. And once again, I'm I'm glad to have you part of these podcasts, and I'm always thankful that you kept prodding me and prodding me and asked me to... to, uh, join the podcast and, and that was one of the best things that I've done so thank you very much and congratulations today this morning earlier today the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame announced 11 new members as part of the class of 2017 one of the people kind of warned Wildcats well, ain't happy. cockle Wildcat ain't happy fifth war Wildcat ain't happy. And let me let me go from backwards especially the fact that I'm here in Dallas and got the hit is and let me and let me I'll give that name last to, to warm up why the Wildcats are so hot. He ain't happy. Jerry Krause, Tom Jernstead, Manny Jackson. Manny Jackson, you know Manny Jackson, Oh, right? man. Right? Player. Hall uh, of Globetrotters, correct. Yeah. Influence, correct. Yeah. Zach Clayton from the Early African American Pioneers Committee. Nicholas, Nick Galis from the International Committee. George McGinnis from the Veterans Committee. ABA Hooper. Awesome. Hooper. Philadelphia 76. Yes, sir. Indiana Pacers. You got it. Bill Self, Kansas Jayhawks, Notre Dame head coach, Muffin McGraw, Tracy McGrady. It's kind of surprised me because you know, he didn't win a playoff see, series. I can see him crying right now because he mentioned that it, it was mentioned uh, during late in the season when his name, when he made the finalist list, um, he kind of teared up. I was like, you know, just hold it together now. Hold it together. But now he the ball like a little baby now. <laughs> Well, but, I'm hoping that's an April Fool's joke. But he led he, he led the NBA in scoring five times. So he, that's true. He, he wasn't hell of a scorer. Let's get real now. Just he went from yeah, high school to, to the league, and he was getting some things done. Yes, so, and, and officially, he is the first high school to the NBA to get into the Hall of Fame because Moses stepped into, had his first start in the ABA as well yeah. before going yeah. to the NBA. So, kudos to T-Mac. Rebecca Lobo, UConn, Happy WNBA. The release has her as a WNBA icon. 
Well, despite she's the one fact, of the founders of the league. The, despite, excuse me, but she helped build UConn's program. Yeah. Yeah, she did. When you, when you, so when that, you, when that's the first thing she's known for is that. She is. She is. She is. Not her time in the WNBA because she didn't do much in the right. WNBA she for did. the liberty she, like she, she did for UConn. She And then last, this, this is for you, Wildcat. I'm listening. I hear The all-time winningest boys high school coach, Robert Hughes. Sir? I want a piece of that love, too, eh? You Texas Southern University. You hear what Doc said there? Say it again, Doc. I want to make sure Wildcat hear what you said. What did you say about Robert Hughes? Texas Southern University alone. Thoughts on that? The man won 1,300 high school games, Wildcat. Coach Jackie B. Carr is a Prairie graduate alumnus. And he did it. He did it in two different areas. He did it uh, in terms of the BVIL during the segregated time, won a championship there. Then was able to do it again when uh, desegregation in terms of winning UIL championships in several different decades. Wildcat says, what about Jackie B. Carr? Oh, no question. He should be in. But I don't think we need to be careful of not suggesting somebody should be in because somebody else was left off. I think we need to make Yeah, really? Wildcat. Yeah, really? Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So How about that? Really? But there's no question to me that Robert Hughes needs to be in there as well. Uh-huh. Sir, uh-huh. you got a retort? Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make some something. I have something together right now. I'm kind of like, I don't want to go off the deep end, and I mean, really, I don't want to go off deep end. <laughs> I, well, it, I, I, I can understand where you're coming from. That there, there is an argument that Jackie Carr should be in there first, in a lot of ways. But again, I think we're beating the wrong bush when we start fighting in regards to the. Both of these coaches should be in. We also know a lot of this is about politics, who's able to network to get these folks in. I think the bigger question is, is we need to go to work. Those that are in positions to be able to get Jackie Cars out there and, and as they Excellent say, hit the drums, yeah. beat you the right. or whatever. You're right. Yeah. To make sure You're right. And it is do best. Don't waste so much time in terms of trying to downgrade somebody else for the fact that somebody should be in. Now, well, I, 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 get, well, I get that. I, I get that. So because you're right. So you and the Wheatley alums, the Golden Wheatley alums, the Money Wheatley alums, and you, Mr. Media Outlet Man, yeah. Media Connection Man, yeah. you need to get on that bandwagon. You and Ralph need to get that going and see if you can get and Coach Jackie B. Carr in the Hall of Fame. Yep. Yeah. Something needs to get done. And the only reason I say this is because, Doc, both yes, coaches are part of the, uh, were part of the, the changeover. But right. But Coach Carr represented a lot more of uh, being able to adapt in the changeover and continue to move, uh, to, to win. Uh, I think you I think you can certainly make that argument, but I think people in the Dallas area would fight uh, Fort Worth. I really should say in the Greater Dallas Fort Worth area would make you know, make another case for that. But again, I think it's very dangerous when we part and parcel two great coaches and try to really separate them when they were great in their own right. And it, to me, it's so interesting that their history, uh, in a lot of ways, Mary, uh, you know, kind of mirrors each other. As you said, one, a Prairie View uh, legend in terms of coming out of Prairie View, which you know I'm excited about. The other, Texas Southern, coming out of uh, the, the, the system of Texas Southern University are two legendary HBCU public institutions here. Both of them coming out of legendary... Um, uh, segregated high schools that fed both of those HBC programs. Both coaches were able to win championships at that level. 
Uh, then they come out and find a way to go to UIL. They both win multiple championships at their level, dominate the sport like never heard of in terms of a style of play that was never heard of. Discipline, uh, uh, creative parts of the game. You know, I, I really, in a lot of ways, they just happen to do it in two cities that are the largest cities in the state that are in polar areas. And again, I think in a lot of ways, this more is an indictment to me on what we do. And I'm not necessarily pushing on us, but I'm saying in general, I'm talking about the media in regards to Houston versus the media in terms of Dallas. That media obviously seems to be more able to push the button to do what's necessary to make sure they champion folks that should be in and we need to make sure we're doing our part. Again, sometimes I think we need to, instead of pointing fingers or that one finger outwards, we need to find a way to point three at us and say, how can we get better to do what we need to do to make sure that this guy, as you're alluding to uh, correctly, should be recognized. Well, Doc, I will say this because it it boils back to something that, uh, you know, I'm all about, you know, I always have have a thorn in my side when it comes to about voting for voting and voting rights. If you have numbers, you can make change. Do we have, a, I, I, and I'm going to need to check on this when I get back. Do we have enough numbers in the, air, in, the, in the region that vote on that level for that particular, for, uh, uh, to make a uh, voice big enough to be cons- uh, to consider Coach Carr to be in, in, in at that position because that's what it all boils down to and what this tells uh-huh. me is that the Dallas area has numbers they've got votes and they've got someone right. that, that can actually put as you say uh, make a statement and can uh, can make a uh, have a voice and present a platform and a pro uh, and a uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for. Put a, put a platform together, as you said, for, yeah. in this case, Hughes and what we're talking about, car. So um, maybe we got to find out and, and, and be even more strategic. Let's let's do what we need to do with the Dallas-Fort Worth ever and get them on the side because I'm sure they're not just wanting one coach in uh, in terms of the legendary coaches that have been a part of the PVIL. I mean, there's several coaches out of that PVIL that transition over to UIL. They need to be getting get in. I think we're naming two of the top ones, but I would suggest there's a couple of more that we need to make sure out of Texas that has been able to keep a lot of the history alive outside of it. You know, as the HBCU historian, one of the things that I have concern is you don't necessarily have other states in the Deep South uh, that had great coaches as well that have the type of records that we have here in Texas. So uh, we need to do what's necessary to get this done. Uh, because if I feel if we don't get Jackie Carr in in, in time, uh, it's our fault in terms of us not beating the drought drum loud enough. Well put, gentlemen. Thank you very much. And uh, we're going to wrap it up here because some of us have some people to see and networking to do. Uh, but real like quick, get your, get your predictions. We got right now Gonzaga and South Carolina just started. Who you got that game, Doc? I'm going to go with Gonzaga. I think they're going to get to the Final Four. You mean championship game? I mean to the Final Game, championship game, yep. Wildcat, who you got? I'm going to stay with uh, Coach Martin. Lenton, who you got? South Carolina. Zapata? 
Uh, I'm sticking with my pick, Gonzaga. I'm going South Carolina because my wallet says go to South Carolina. So I'm going with that. <laughs> Doc, you know that's a bad deal. That's a bad deal. Then the second game, who you got? I got North Carolina. I think uh, they've been there before, and I think those guys are really hungry. And they're going to find a way to actually bring the, the trophy home this time for good. Zapato, who you got? North Carolina or Oregon? Uh, North Carolina. Letson, who you got? North Carolina. Lockett, who you got? Consensus. Well, North that's boring. So, because it's boring, simply only because it's boring, not because I think they're already going to win, but to be different, I'll pick Oregon, the Webfoots. So, I'll, I'll take that and then wrap it up. Sunday, <laughs> who you got? SEC Showdown for all the marbles, women's championship. Listen, ladies first, who you got? Itty bitty, Mississippi State. Wildcat, who you got? And to keep in mind, let me add this as well in the two matchups this season, South Carolina won both games. So this will be the third time, you know, that, that myth that they say it's hard to be a team three times in the same season. So that'll be put to the test Sunday afternoon. Who you got? Last time that happened was uh, Kansas and, o- and Oklahoma uh, during the uh, Danny Manning era. So yeah. I am going to go with uh, Mississippi State on this one. Zepeda, who you got? Um, <clears throat> after last night's games, I go with Mississippi State. Doc, who you got? Yes, I think Mississippi State is hot. As you said, Itabina, she, she's really getting it going. But I think uh, South Carolina is the real deal. I think they've been more consistent over the last couple of years. This team is really hungry. They see the championship right in front of them, well coached. And I think South Carolina is going to find a way to get it done and break that edge where they're actually going to do it for the third time this year, defeating Mississippi State. All, game, all the last two games have been close both home and on the road, but I think they're going to find a way to close it out and bring a championship to South Carolina. Well, Doc stole some of my thunder, so I'm, I agree with him. I'm going to say South Carolina. Don't say they're going to cut down the nets for the first time. So I'm picking South Carolina to win the championship. I hope it's a close game. I hope it's competitive throughout. I don't expect a, a high-scoring up-and-down-the-court game. It's going to be a grounded-out, low-scoring game. And Gardner's Law... Was a two for two last night, Friday night. First team to 50 wins, so I think I'm going to say the same thing Sunday. First team that scores 50 wins, and I think that will be South Carolina. Gentlemen sure, and ladies, sir. thank you for yeah, your for your time. Doc, one more time, one more time. How can folks find you on the World Wide Web, sir? Certainly. Before I do that, as I said, I picked North Carolina, but I'm still trying to figure out how the NCAA has not made a ruling on all these false classes and African-American studies. You know, that still bothers me. So just because I picked North Carolina, I hadn't forgot this piece of the puzzle, how they seem to navigate through this uh, travail and process of the NCAA, which is just amazing to me, which really, again, lets you know it's about the money, but that's no secret. You can follow me for these type of uh, opinions on the various uh, social media platforms, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L, D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. And for those of the HBCU sports fans that are out there, you can catch me on the show every Tuesday, 6 to 7, KKBQ, 92.9. You can't catch it live. You can definitely catch it as a sound, a podcast on SoundCloud at Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab, Dr. Cavill's inside the HBCU Sports Lab. Just type in Dr. Cavill 
on SoundCloud and you can pick up the podcast. Thank you, Doc. Take care. Linton. Thank you. Your Twitter is 33 Dallas. Is that it? That is it. Wow, okay. How can folks find you? All over the place. Um, but make it short and sweet. Facebook, Twitter, TweetDeck, and AK. It's JL Woodley 1, Jerry L. Woodley Jr. Uh, on Blogger, Blogspot, and YouTube at AKSV, the CSR, the College Sports Report. Zapata. On Twitter, the HRTR2, that's T-H-E-H-R-R-T-O-O. And I am KG, the Houston Round Bar Review, HoustonRoundBarReview.com, Houston Round Bar Review on YouTube, Houston Round Bar Review on Instagram. Catch our podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Pod Directory. Go to HoustonRoundBarReview.com for the links as well. Check us out on our KG, Fifth of Wildcat and Doc Facebook page. Thank you very much for your time, your knowledge, your sharing of the tweets and the links to the podcast. We're becoming more and more popular. I had a gentleman today see my, my shirt and say that I'm from, talking about Fifth Ward, I'm mm-hmm. from there. And I was like, oh, okay, well, cool. Thank you very much, sir. <laughs> so, yeah. It, does it remind you of the trip we made and I won't so, walk in the room and so, hey, my wife can shit on the phone. So, so, so we know you're biased. That's why you were hating on Robert Hughes instead of hey. uplifting. Like Doc was preaching. Hey, hey, so hey. we're gonna wrap it up as always. Co- the man's son coached that weakness, so, so I'm happy. Okay, well that's, that's a good tie. That's a good segue. Thank you very much, there, Wildcat. Gonna wrap it up as I always do. In conclusion, be true, be cool, and do more. <laughs>